This weekend, I want to share part three of our new series called Fight for the Family. And I want, I want uh, you to get this morning what is contained in today's key scripture. There's something great in the scripture we're going to kind of look at this morning for you and for your family. But it's not one of the easiest scriptures to understand. And so kind of hang with me this morning as we unpack today. The Bible says this, Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. So this is Ezekiel saying, the word of the Lord came to me. But then God says, what do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? And here's the proverb. The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And then the... The Bible goes on and God says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. Everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is one who will die. This scripture is a powerful scripture. And this scripture can change your life. So listen up close. The Lord said to Ezekiel, why do you keep using this proverb over and over? The parents eat sour grapes. The children's teeth are set on edge. Why do you keep saying this over and over? Apparently, the Israelites have been saying that proverb for years, maybe even generations. So the Lord says, why do you say this? That it caused the the, the children to kind of grind their teeth. Or another translation says, it caused the children's mouths to pucker. Everybody kind of pucker for me this morning. Ready? Here we go. Oh, there's some great faces out there. Why do you keep saying this? Well, what the Lord is really saying in this scripture is this. Why do you keep using as an excuse how you were raised? Why do you keep using as an excuse, I am like I am because of the way my parents raised me? I am like I am because of what my parents gave me or didn't give to me. I am like I am because my parents so messed me up. They ate sour grapes. My parents did things that were awful. I hated the things that my parents did. And as a child, it made me draw back and grind my teeth and kind of pucker up because those those things were so sour distasteful, disgusting. Maybe this morning you can say, my parents, you're right, Pastor, they they were parents that were full of anger. Maybe you can say, my parents were alcoholics. My parents were never home. My parents were too busy for me. Maybe you can say, my dad had an affair and left me. Maybe you can say, my mom got pregnant and she gave me away. My mom was always yelling at me. Maybe you can say, my dad abused me. And therefore, pastor, that's why I am like I am. But God says, as long as I, the sovereign Lord, lives, you will no longer quote this proverb. Evidently, some parents were choosing to eat sour grapes. Not the fruit of the vine but the wicked fruit of the world. Some parents got involved in some sour things, things not good. 
sinful things in the sight of the Lord. And those sour, sinful things became first in their lives. They put those things first and they put their children last. And as those parents got involved in those things, the kids are kind of, they knew in their hearts. You see, the Bible says God writes his word on all of our hearts, amen? And even little kids can draw back and grind their teeth as they look at mom and dad doing bad things and say, that's not right. And maybe some of your parents abused you emotionally or even physically. Maybe your parents were absent. They never affirmed you. They put you down. They said you'd never do anything. Maybe your parents abused drugs or alcohol. Maybe a parent of yours played around sexually. And today, many psychologists say what you receive genetically from your parents determines your destiny. It determines where you are going to end up. They say if your parents are alcoholics, statistically, there's a triple chance that you too are going to be an alcoholic. They say that if your parents were on drugs or if you had an abusive dad who had a terrible temper, statistically, if your parents ate sour grapes, sinful Sour things took them into their lives. If they got into wrong things, developed wrong habits, had bad behavior, then the children are going to be a whole lot like their parents. That's what the world says. That's what science says. But the Lord God says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel because God had a different plan. Because the sovereign Lord lives, that proverb has no power over you or your family. In other words, Jesus on the cross took all sin for all time upon himself. That means he took all of the sour things of this world upon himself. Then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for every sin that's ever been committed. And then our Lord Jesus came back alive again. And that very same power that raised him from the dead is the same power available to you and me to overcome every sour thing that our parents passed on to you and me. Every sour thing. Through the name and power of Jesus who is our living sovereign Lord, you and I can overcome those things that we witnessed, those things that we experienced, those things that were passed on to us by our parents that were sour and sinful and disgusting. Because Jesus is alive, that proverb does not apply to you. It does not apply to your children. It's kind of like this. Satan in every single family tries to put something on that family that will take that family down. For instance, that spirit of divorce that has been passed down in some family lines. You see, great-granddaddy, him and his wife got divorced, and then that spirit got on maybe your parents, and now maybe that spirit's trying to get on your parents. But if you are in Jesus Christ, it does not apply to you. He broke the power of sin and all sour things, And he will give you the power to break all sinful family patterns. No matter what Satan is trying to pass down through your family line, Jesus can break it. Amen? Amen. He can break it. It does not have to pass on to you. He can set you free. And when Jesus sets you free, the Bible says you are free. Help me. Indeed. You are free indeed. 
from every sour, sinful thing that your family maybe ate and ingested into their lives. Now, whatever they did does not have to enter your life. Or if it did, it does not have to continue in your life. And it does not have to be passed on to your children. The Lord God says, suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits, and though he sees them, he does not do such things. Suppose the son looks at his dad. His dad's a playboy, doesn't know the word faithfulness. Maybe because his daddy was never faithful to his wife. So now that that spirit of unfaithfulness is being passed down, and the dad just hops from one bed to bed to bed, from woman to woman. But let's say now that his son sees his wicked father and he says, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that. Can that son be free? And all of God's people said, yes. Absolutely, yes. Just because the parents ate sour things, did sour things, things that caused their kids to draw back in disgust, does not mean the kids have to do sour things. Through the power of our living Lord Jesus, they can be set free from any parental pattern. They don't have to go down the same path. You don't have to go down the same path. The Bible says, yet you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of the father? In other words, why does the son not have to pay for the father's sins? Since the son has done what is just and right, And has been careful to keep all my decrees, says the Lord. He will surely live. What I'm saying is this. And what God is saying. The blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross to pay for all of your sins. Is more powerful than the bloodline of your father and mother. Amen. They may try to pass things down to you. But the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than a family bloodline. And because the living Lord Jesus lives inside of you. You don't have to act the way they acted. You can overcome the plan that Satan has designed to bring every generation of your family down. You can overcome it. You can be the person that says, as for me and my house, it stops here. No more alcoholism in my house. No more divorce in my family line. You can stand up and say, because of Jesus and him living, it's going to stop here and now. But Satan tries to put something on every family line. And you can look at it. Your angry daddy may have beat you, but in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, you don't have to beat your kids. Your mother might have been a terrible mother, but through the name and power of Jesus, you can be a godly mother. Amen? God says in verse 20, the one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share in the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Yes, folks, there are generational curses. I like to call them generational plans of Satan that are put on families to pass from one generation to the next. Even in Exodus chapter 20, it says the sins of the fathers are passed on to the third and fourth generations. Just like genetic things are passed on through family lines, so are sinful desires. So are sinful patterns. Folks, this stuff is real. Satan puts into motion in every family something that he hopes will bring that family down. Jesus says that Satan's 
whole reason for being here is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal God's word from your heart. He wants to kill your faith in God. And he wants to destroy you and your family for all eternity. And so he puts these things into motion in every family line, hoping that your family will just go down. He wants to take you down. But I'm here to tell you this morning that it can change with you. Through God's amazing grace, and his grace is amazing, amen? Aren't you thankful for his amazing grace? Through his grace and through his almighty power, you can be set free. What has been a pattern in your family for generations can stop with you here and now. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, read it with me, he is a new creature. The old is passed away. Behold, new things have come. And God's people said, amen. Those old patterns can pass away. Now this morning, I want us to look at Proverbs 29. If you have your Bible, flip to Proverbs 29. Because I want to give you seven things that you can do to help stop those old family patterns that Satan has designed to take your family down. To keep you from passing them on to your family. Proverbs 29 is a powerful parenting passage. As parents, you need to just circle Proverbs 29 and keep going back to it. Powerful passage. First thing you can do to stop an old pattern is stop it with discipline. Stop it with discipline. Write it down. I want to ask you to not be afraid to give godly discipline to your kids. In our society, sometimes we want to be more their friend than the parent. But God has called us to be a mom and a dad. Amen? And that means sometimes you can't be their friend for a while because you've got to be mom or dad. You've got to be the parent. You've got to set the boundaries. The Bible says, discipline your children and they will give you peace. Any parents want a little more peace? <laughs> Amen. Nobody? All got, all got peace? Wow. Discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Don't be afraid of discipline. The result of godly discipline is peace in your home. Children who are a delight to you. Now, all of our kids are raised and out of the home and married. And, and I want to tell you, there's peace in our home. No. <laughs> but because of the way we tried to raise them with godly discipline, I can tell you they are a delight to us. They bring peace into our home. They bring delight into our home. But if you're afraid to discipline your kids, and if you just keep tolerating their bad behavior, the result is, this, is just the opposite. They're going to bring trouble into your home. They're going to be disappointing you instead of delighting you. If you tolerate that sassy mouth, those disrespectful attitudes and actions, don't complain about how they're turning your, your home upside down. It takes godly discipline for there to be peace and delight coming to you from your children. Now listen, you can read a ton of books in our world about how to discipline. But listen, God's word is right, amen? And it says, discipline your children. 
And so if you want to break old family patterns, if you want your children to respect you and others in authority and even God himself, that means you've got to give them godly discipline. And sometimes that doesn't mean you just take the Xbox away for a week or so. It doesn't mean you just put them in a corner for a time out. Sometimes it means that a spanking is in order. But let me be clear. It does, oh, I know, in our society, oh. Sometimes it means a spanking is in order. Listen, you don't ever, ever beat your children. You don't ever bruise your children. But there is a way to spank a child so that they will never, ever, ever want that to happen again. When the issue was serious enough, Shirley and I spanked all of our children. And, and we didn't have to do it very often because the process to the spanking was more painful than the spanking. And we made sure that the process on the way to the spanking was so painful that they didn't want to get to the spanking. You know, uh, what we would do when something would go wrong and it was serious enough, we'd tell them exactly what was going to happen, that that was coming. Then we would send them to the room to think about what they, would done, what they had done, and we let that time just kind of go on for a while. And it also gave Shirley and I time to calm down and make sure we were doing the best thing and talk about it. And all the time we were downstairs talking about it, they were upstairs sweating about it. And then we would go into the room and we would talk about it again and then we would administer three spanks, three swats, never anymore, never out of anger, three spanks. And then we would hug them and we would talk with them and say cried and we would pray with them and we would reconcile with them. The Bible says the Lord disciplines, and another translation says the Lord whips those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. As I read that, some of you, just knowing some of you, you must have been really loved by God. (laughs) You've been whipped a lot. But the Lord says you got to discipline if you want peace to come from your children and delight from your children. One night when our son Scott was 11 years old and we were driving home from church when our church was out at the other building, we were driving home and he asked some friends over to stay all night. And so we were driving on the way home and and on the way home, Scott tried to be funny. He started trying to make his friends laugh. And so he started saying some crude things. Well, you know, mom and dad, we got big ears and we're up in the the front seat and, and and I said, Scott, I said, cool it, just cool it. Well, he didn't. And so I said again, I said, son, change your talk. I'm telling you right now, cool it. He didn't. So finally I said, son, if you don't stop, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to make you walk the rest of the way home. He didn't stop. So I stopped. I pulled over off the road up here on Fairmont Street, pulled over to the curb, got out of the Astro van. He was clearing the back seat with his friends, walked around, opened the sliding door with some force for effect, And it was really quiet about then, really quiet. And I said, son, get out here. He stepped out of the Astro van, and I said, I want to tell you, first of all, I am so sorry. You know that we never discipline any of you kids in front of anybody else. We never want to embarrass you. We always do it in private. I'm so sorry to have to do this in front of your friends, but you were so disrespectful and so crude. You're walking the rest of the way home. There's the sidewalk. Get going. And he had to walk the rest of the way home as we followed in the Astro vans with our headlights on him. And we were going really slow, and he was (laughs) all the way home. 
And it was only three blocks, but it felt like a long ways to him. And I tell you, man, those guys were good the whole rest of the night. <laughs> but he learned a lesson. Don't be afraid to give godly discipline to your kids. If you want to stop some of those old patterns that have been passed down to you and you're passing them on to your kids, it starts with discipline. Don't be afraid to give it. Secondly, give them vision. Stop old patterns with creating a vision in your kids of who they can be. Look at their gifts and their talents and create a vision of who they can be. The Bible says where there's no revelation or there's no vision, people cast off restraint. So those things that are kind of holding them in and being boundaries for them to keep them good and walking with God, if they've got no vision, even kids will cast off those restraints and go wild. Fill them with vision or they will run wild. If they've got no purpose in life, if they've got no direction in life, they'll just party time. So tell them about the gifts and the abilities that you see in them. Tell them about the strengths that you see in them. Tell them about the ways they could use those gifts and strengths for God to really make a difference in people's lives in this world. Tell them, do you know I've been looking at you and you are so good at this, you could be a teacher. Or you could be an attorney. Or or, or you could be a contractor. You've got great building skills. You could be an awesome worship leader with your skills. You could be a pastor, a missionary. The way you like to run things, even our house, you could be a governor. You could be a relief worker. But create a vision in them of who they can be. Tell them early that, that college is in their future. Take them early to college campuses and give them a vision of what that life can be like after high school. Sometimes all they can see is just, I'm going to get out of school. That's going to be it. But give them a vision beyond high school and create in them a vision. No, when you turn 18, you're not just going to get married. You're going to go to college. Create a vision for them. Because vision, listen, produces discipline to reach the vision. If kids have a vision of who they can be and where they want to go, all at once they got to say, if I want to be a doctor, man, I'm going to have to buckle down and work. I kind of played through high school, but if I want to be a doctor, I've got I've to buckle down. So vision creates discipline in their lives. Stop the old patterns with discipline and then vision and then the word. The word of God. Men, be a man of the word. Women, be a woman of the word. The Bible says, blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. It's talking about the wisdom of God's word. If you want to stop the patterns that have been passed down to you, if you want to be blessed by God and you want your kids to be blessed by God, you've got to be a man or woman of the word. One of the best things you can do as a parent that you can do for your children is to read the Bible. Read the word of God. Because even when you think you're not getting anything out of it and you don't understand it, just when you think that you're not going to remember anything that you've read, suddenly, just when you need it, God brings it back to you or he brings it out in you in your behavior. If you put it in, God can bring it out. Amen? If you put it in, he can use it to change your behavior and stop old Destructive behaviors. 
God will use what you put in your heart and mind to change your life and to help you teach your children how they can live. Heed wisdom's instruction to stop the old patterns, discipline, vision, the word, and next, your example. Man, your example is so powerful, so important. The Bible says servants cannot be corrected by mere words. Though they understand, they will not respond. You could put the word children in there. Children cannot be corrected by mere words. Any parents want to say, yeah, I know. (laughs) Though they understand, they won't respond. Don't underestimate the power of your example. So don't tell your kids not to smoke if you're sitting there smoking on a cig. Don't tell your kids not to drink if you're a social drinker yourself. Because they're going to come back to you and say, but dad, you do it. And then you're going to say something really smart. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. Dumb. That's dumb. Those are mere words. And the Bible says your children will not respond. Don't tell your children they ought to go to church if by your example you hit, skip, and miss, and if nothing else is going on, you'll show up. Those are mere words, and your kids won't respond. They will do what you do. They will follow your example. So you need to say, God, make me match you. Help me live like your word. Stop old patterns then with your talk. Not only your example, but your talk. The Bible says, do you see someone who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Parents, our our speech, the things we say are more powerful than we, we ever understand. Even the tone of our voice is more powerful than we understand. Our kids tell us today, you know, when we, we talk back and kind of laugh about some of the discipline we did or something, they'll say, Dad, I know you were talking really calmly to me and firmly, and we, I know that you weren't yelling, but I heard it as yelling. <laughs> so our speech and even the tone is powerful. Parents, with your words, you can mend your child's spirit or you can murder their spirit. You can curse your child with your words or you can bless your child. You can curse a child by saying, you are no good. The way you're going, you'll never be any good. Look at your grades. Are you stupid or what? That's called cursing your child. Instead, we are to bless our children. We are to build our children. We are to bolster our children. Maybe even tonight, you need to go to the bedside of your child and just put your hand on, on their shoulder or head. Hug them up real good and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, but I bless you, and I'm so glad you're in my family. Put your blessing on them. Build them. Stop the old patterns with your example, with your talk, and then with limits. Write this one down, parents. We need this here in in America. Limits. The Bible says a servant pampered from youth will turn out to be insolent. Insolent means to be rude. They'll turn out to be disrespectful. And how do you know when you're pampering a child too much? How do you know when you're spoiling a child? When they become obnoxious. 
when they get rude, when they become bad-mannered, when they begin to take everything that you do for them for granted. They just begin to expect it. This is what moms and dads do. They just expect everything. And when you see them becoming obnoxious and expecting every single thing, you need to set new limits. You need to lower the limits of what you give. You need to cut back those things that you were giving to them. Set new limits. Don't spoil your kid. And, and every child is different. So you have to work with each one in, in a special way. But when, if they become like a spoiled brat, if they start acting like spoiled brats, I want you to do something for me. I want you to send them on a mission trip. I want you to send them to Africa, India, Cambodia, Mexico. Send them to Pastor Larry and Carlos. We'll take them to Mexico, okay? Send them on a mission trip and make them eat the food. Let them get the diarrhea. Let them sleep on a bed that's this much of a mattress. Let them sleep with no air conditioning and mosquitoes flying everywhere. And when they come home, there's going to be an amazing transformation. They're going to love their big, thick bed. They're even going to make it for mom once in a while. They're going to sit down at the dinner table, and they're going to say, no, wait, wait. Dear God, thank you for this food. (laughs) There's going to be an amazing transformation because they've just had a crash course on how blessed they are in America. Listen, we've got a bunch of spoiled kids in America. If they don't have the smallest iPod, if they don't have the newest iPhone, if they don't have an LED HD TV in their room with an Xbox hooked to it, if they don't have seven pairs of flip-flops, all different colors to go with all their stuff, if they don't have number seven jeans, they feel like they're being cheated. We got to set limits. Stop those old patterns by setting limits. And last, stop those old patterns with humility. With humility. The Bible says an angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gains honor. This means, parents, don't be quick-tempered. Be slow to anger. And parents, get rid of pride. Now, that pride tree tries to keep growing up inside of us all the time. And the spirit of pride says, I know everything. And kids, you don't know anything. But parents, we need to get rid of pride And we need to strive and ask God for humility, that spirit spirit that says, I don't know everything. And kids, I am not perfect. Kids, I make mistakes from time to time. And we need to have a spirit of humility as we parent. But listen close. If you spank the wrong kid, I've done that. (laughs) I made a mistake and I spanked the wrong kid. If you spanked the wrong kid, be humble and willing to say, I am so sorry I did spank the wrong one of you. Please forgive me. (laughs) And I've done that. But then I look him right in the face and I said, but I know you. So I'm going to hold that one in reserve. (laughs) Because I know you're going to need another one sooner or later. But be willing to be humble to admit, I messed up. Be willing to even ask your children for forgiveness when, when maybe you've let an old pattern slip back into your life and you let it spill over onto them. Be humble and willing to ask forgiveness.
Folks, we can stop old patterns in our lives and in the lives of our kids with discipline, with vision, with the word, your example, your talk, setting new limits, and by having a humble spirit. Now listen close. You can spend your whole life making excuses for the bad patterns in your life, for the bad parenting that you experienced, the things that were passed on to you that made you grind your teeth and were distasteful to you. Or you can call upon the powerful name of Jesus and Jesus can set you free. And as a parent, even this morning, you can stand up and fight for your family and you can cast down what Satan is once again trying to pass down to your generation and the next generation. You can stand up and fight and say, Satan, you're not going to have anything to do with my family. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And you can start a whole new pattern for your family, one that lives for God now and forever. Amen? And so today, if you want to break some old pattern, if you want to stop doing some sour thing, if you want to stop something from passing on to your children and your grandchildren, it is time to call upon the name of Jesus and ask Him to set you free once and for all. It could be alcoholism. It could be a spirit of anger. It could be you're being tempted with lust and sexual things. It could be... Any kind of thing that Satan has put on your family and it's just been passed down through the years. But today you can stop it. And you can stand up and fight for your family and you can say, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're casting this down. It ends here. It ends now. Amen? No more excuses. I am what I am because of my parents. No. Through the name and power of Jesus, you can be set free. Let's just praise God for that. Help me, help me do that. Amen? You can be set free. Bow your heads with me. If God has been talking to you about a pattern you need to break, right now, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me, and I want God to just see me raising my hand. There's a pattern I need to break. Lift them up, okay? Awesome, awesome. Be honest. Lift them up. It's a pattern I need to break. All right. You can put them down. As I pray this prayer, would you pray it in your heart? And I want to say before we pray this prayer, that as you pray this, you may not feel anything. As you leave the service today, you may not feel anything or feel any different. But you're not putting your trust in your feelings. You're putting your trust in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our sovereign Lord. Amen? So you put your trust in him, and he'll set you free. Here's the prayer. Pray it in your heart as I lead you. Father God, I come to you in the name of your Son and my Savior. I ask that you set me free from the sour patterns passed down to me. I put my trust in you to set me free. I commit to do these seven things I need to do to stay free and to be a godly parent. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I resist you and your plans against me and my family. I command you to go to the place that Jesus sends you now. Father, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all of God's people said, 
Amen.